0: Thank you, Holy Spirit. Well, we're going to be continuing our series, Faithful. And uh, we're, this is the third week, and Jess and Aaron did such an amazing job. Jess in week one, and then Aaron in week two. And uh, didn't you just love their messages? I loved that, what they brought. It was really exciting. And, uh, and so it's my privilege to be doing the third Talk in this series, and uh, and so we're in this faithful series, and I'm going to be speaking about faith over fear, faith versus fear, but faith over fear. So I'm um, I want you to turn, please, to the first or the the the, the platform scripture, so to speak, uh, Isaiah chapter 12. Oh, the foundation, that's the word I was looking for, not platform. I knew that didn't sound right. Um, But Isaiah chapter 12, and uh, whoa, I'm going to be just reading from some verses in that. Now, the context, uh, before we get going, um, is that chapter 12 comes right after chapter 11, where the Spirit of God speaking through Isaiah speaking prophetically about Jesus, Yeshua, the Jewish Messiah, and we know his name is as Jesus through the Greek New Testament, but his name in Hebrew is Yeshua. And so our Savior's name is Yeshua, and it says in uh, Isaiah 11, verse 1, you don't need to turn to it, I'm just going to read it contextually. There shall come forth a, a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall be upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of the of the knowledge of the and of the fear of the Lord. the seven spirits of God right there are listed, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord and uh In chapter 12, verse 1, it says, And you will say in that day, what day is Isaiah referring to? In the day when Yeshua comes and arrives. And every day after that. And so everything we're about to read, speaking of that day, that day is right now. That's our day right now. So Holy Spirit, we thank you so much. You are the greatest and most wonderful gift in our lives. You're the very Spirit of Jesus and the very Spirit of the Father dwelling and living on the inside of us because we're born again and born of the Spirit. And so we thank you for your presence on the inside of us right now. We thank you for the clothing of your power on the outside of us. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would give us wisdom and revelation as we spend time this morning. Would you help us to step out of a place of fear and a mentality of fear and bring us into this wonderful place of faith and walking in your love and giving your love away. And we ask it in Jesus' mighty name, amen. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. And behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation and you will say in that day, you will say in that day, give thanks. So, oh, excuse me, it doesn't, it, it goes on to say, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. In those two verses, verse two and verse three, you may not have noticed because like me, Whenever I read those verses or I read salvation, I don't notice it. But actually, I just read three times Yeshua. Three times I read Yeshua. I was absolutely blown away when I was preparing for this. And the Holy Spirit reminded me. I clicked on the word salvation in the Strong's uh, Concordance. And showing the Hebrew. And there it is. Yeshua. Yeshua. Salvation is Yeshua. Now let's just read that again, okay? Because all of a sudden it gets really, really exciting. Sorry, I'm, I'm just, you know, grabbing this. Whole, there we go. Behold, God is my Yeshua. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my Yeshua. With joy you will draw water from the wells of Yeshua and you will say in that day, and so on. How epic is that, you guys? All of a sudden now we understand how faith over fear is all centered in the very person of Yeshua, that we can trust in that day because Yeshua is on the inside of us. We don't need to be afraid because we're in Yeshua and Yeshua is in us. Salvation is not just the gift of salvation that God gives us in terms of eternal life forever, which is our eternal reward with Him. But it's what makes it so fantastic and what makes it so uh, eternal is the fact that our salvation is Yeshua Himself. His eternal being is who we are now in Him. We're in Him and He's in us. Turn with me to Romans and chapter 8 and verse 14 and 15, but especially verse 15 is our other key foundational verse before we get into the main part of my message. Romans 8, verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God, or the sons of God, actually in Greek. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. We're going to really dig into this. Because this salvation, this person, Yeshua, Jesus Christ, our Messiah, he dwells on the inside of us the moment we become born again. We are filled with his spirit and united with him, spirit to spirit. We have become one spirit with him, which is 1 Corinthians 6, 17. And so I want to talk this morning about, well, I guess this afternoon now, about faith over fear. All right, let's have the other one up, please, as well, if you don't mind. And uh, if you guys can keep that one up for much of the rest of the time, that would be fantastic. All right, faith over fear. Now, this right here, okay, is a 53-year-old, or 52-year-old, actually, in his happy place. Okay, this right here requires faith. This right here is fear being overcome, because this right here is a 52-year-old riding a KTM 1290 Super Adventure R with 160 horsepower, and that picture is taken by a professional camera person uh, who just happens to be lining the road, because this is the tale of the dragon which is a phenomenal road that's in Car—sorry, uh, western North Carolina bordering into Tennessee. And so this uh, road is one of the most famous, most dangerous roads on planet Earth. And people die every year riding motorcycles or driving cars on this road. Now, many of you looking at this may have looked at that and gone, that's me, that's all I want to do in life. Right? And probably most of you in this room looked at that and went, there's just no way I'm doing that. I'm not riding a motorcycle. They're dangerous. Actually, motorcycles are not dangerous. Human beings are dangerous. Every time I ride, that's me, by the way, in case you hadn't obviously guessed, But I've been riding motorcycles for 34 years. It's one of my passions. Like I said, it's my happy place. And uh, often I'll ride up, each year I I like to go on a long distance ride. That's one of the cool things about that motorcycle is that it is just as accomplished off-road as it is on-road. That puts it in the adventure motorcycle category. And one of my favorite things to do is to ride my motorcycle to far-flung places, like Toronto. But I'll take... I'll take the mountains, the mountain roads, rather than the freeways, and I'll ride 12 hours a day for a couple of days just to get to Toronto. Uh, and there's something about riding the mountains, of the Appalachian Mountains, on a high-powered motorcycle like that that, sheer, that fills you with sheer terror as the, time, the, draw, the day of leaving draws near, and you begin to start thinking thoughts like, maybe I'm gonna die. Maybe this is the moment that I'm gonna die. Why am I even riding this motorcycle up to Toronto? I could catch an airplane and I'd be far safer. This is crazy. I I am nuts. Why am I doing this to myself? And every time the Holy Spirit in His quiet voice begins to remind me, faith over fear, Duncan. Faith over fear. And you know, sometimes in life, You can live your life so tight within your margins, so far in your margins, that you actually very rarely ever have to confront your fears. For me, a motorcycle brings me to a place where my deepest primeval fears, I get in touch with them. But in that place, I discover another level of daddy's love. And I'm able to overcome so for me, it's a motorcycle. But for you, it might be the Ukrainian war that's happening right now. The war, I shouldn't say Ukrainian war, the war that's happening in Ukraine. And uh, it, may, it may be the fear of World War III, and that's a very real reality, has been ever since they built atomic bombs, nuclear bombs, and countries have nuclear arsenals. We've had that, that that threat, if you like, that there could one day be a war that would blow the entire world up. And we all know there's enough arsenal in the world to actually blow the entire world up. And right now, I would say in my lifetime, I don't think we've ever been on the brink of of nuclear war, the likes of which we could be right now in this moment. That causes us to discover our fears. During the pandemic... When the, first, when the pandemic first started to hit and we began to hear about people dying and we began to hear about the horrible manner in which some people were dying, they weren't able to catch their breath, they would put it on ventilators and so on. And it was horrific and the fear that just bubbled up on the inside of me at the thought of, oh my goodness, what is going to happen in the midst? Of, if I was to catch this, this virus, would I be on a ventilator? Would I lose my breath and would I die? And I remember when Kate and I first caught COVID in November 2020, we literally had to fight those fiery darts of the evil one where we began to, I remember one night, I'm lying in bed and and I had zero symptoms, virtually zero symptoms except for the fact that I had this mysterious pain in the back of my legs. And as I'm sitting there, all of a sudden, I get this thought, I can't breathe. I've lost my breath, I can't breathe. Fear is never rational. Have you noticed that? And I get this thought, I, I can't breathe. Oh my gosh, if I can't breathe, then that means I'm about to die. I'm going to have to say to And all of a sudden, in a split second, an entire movie began to play in my mind, in my emotions and in my mind that was so real, it was as if that was what was about to happen. That was my life. I began to think, oh my goodness. And I saw myself, hey honey, can you call the ambulance? I can't breathe. And then I saw the ambulance arriving and me being bundled into the back of the ambulance. And then I thought about the bills. And and then I was taken straight to the ER. And I got to the ER, and they're like, oh, we can't do anything with this guy. This guy's really gone past it. I mean, he stopped breathing about a half hour ago. And then I saw myself on a ventilator. And then I saw myself intubated. And then I saw myself at my funeral and being buried. All of it happened in a split second. You know what happened? In that moment, I could barely breathe. And I leapt out of bed, jumped up in the name of Jesus. Get off of me, Satan. That spirit of sickness and death be gone in Jesus' name. And then I realized the whole thing was all in my mind. I could breathe perfectly fine. Nothing wrong with me, so to speak. And I want you to understand that what we're dealing with right here, everybody, is a daily walk. With joy I will draw from the wells of salvation. What we're going to be looking at today is how we can live as born-again believers. We can live by the spirit of adoption and not in bondage to the spirit of fear. Faith works through love. Faith works through love, everybody. This series is faith not fearful. Faithful. But love is the fuel of faith, Galatians 5 verse 6. Galatians 5 verse 6 says, after Paul has done a whole argument about it's not obeying the law, the ancient law Of the Israelites introduced by Moses, it's not obedience to the law that has caused the Holy Spirit to come to you, and the Spirit has been supplied to you, and God's worked miracles among you, Galatians. It's not whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised that counts anymore. The only thing that counts in this new life in Christ Jesus is faith working through love. Come on. Faith working through love. And here's the thing, okay, When you saw that motorcycle with that motorcyclist on it, what you couldn't see is the enormous grin that was on my face. As I'm on that, yeah! It's like Kate and I, we love downhill skiing. I love downhill skiing. Last year was the first year that I had to say no to the Black Diamonds. Because I realized that last year, I was 53 last year, I just realized now that I'm a grandfather, a massive, humongous hill, a mountain rather, not a hill, a mountain in Utah on the Rockies with endless moguls. We were with Ash and Murray and Kate, the, the four of us had a love, and, and, and some of Ash and Murray's kids, my, my nieces, two of my nieces. And I just realized, you know what, those moguls that I've done in previous years, I'm just going to choose that that's, that's no longer for me it's, it, you know, I just, my skill level, my strength level is not quite there like it used to be. So I pulled back, but not out of fear, out of wisdom. And there's a difference between fear and wisdom. And sometimes you can say no, because it's wise to say no. All right, now, I can't remember why I was saying that, but anyway, Oh, I know, because what I was saying is that while, I was on, while I'm on that motorcycle, I've got this great big grin on my face. You know why? Because every time faith overcomes fear, it leads to joy. If you want to live permanently in a realm of joy, don't live according to fear. Fear will bring misery. Faith will bring joy. Now, love is the fuel of faith, because Galatians 5 6 says, circumcision or uncircumcision is nothing. What counts is faith working through love. And God is love, everybody. For God to be love, he, he must be Trinity. He must be the lover, because you can't be love if you're not a lover. But you can't be a love, you can't be love if you're just a lover. You have to also be the beloved. Because it's the beloved who says that's love. But you can't just be a lover and a beloved. There must be the love himself that flows from the lover to the beloved and from the beloved to the lover. So God is love. Augustine was the first to say this as far as we know. Because God is love, he must be Trinitarian. He must be an eternal lover. He must be an eternal beloved, and he must be the eternal love. The whole purpose of Jesus coming into the world was so that we who were created as children of God could become the sons and daughters of God, the beloved in the beloved, in the love of the lover. We love because God first loved us. We love, I'm not going to, by the way, I'm not going to repeat the references that I've, I've carefully and painstakingly written up there. I'm just going to flow, okay? But. You'll see the verses as we go. We love because God first loved us. Guys, this is so epic. This is why love fuels faith. Because it's not you being required by eternal God to love him first. (laughs) If it was, there'd be no hope for any of us. We've screwed up well enough to demonstrate there ain't no love in us. Thank goodness, love who's eternal, from before he ever even said, let there be light, from before time ever even began, love already loved you. God already loved you. He looked at you and he said, oh my gosh, there's my Anthony, I love him so much. Oh, look at my boy. Love, before you ever did anything right or wrong, love already assessed you and said, you're made in my image and I love you. Whew. You know what that means? It means that in love, you cannot step out of love. You cannot do anything in your future that would disqualify you from love because God already loved you before you could even breathe. He loved you before an umbilical cord came between your mama and you. Amen. <laughs> See? So how do we enter this love that has first loved us? Well, the Bible's very clear. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in them, and he abides in God. Amen. Oh, come on, everybody, look at that. Salvation isn't just something that God gives us. Here you go, keep it in your pocket, dude. Don't forget the amount of times that I've walked out of my house to my car and had to go back to get my keys. Thank goodness that your salvation is not like that. Thank goodness that Yeshua in your life, and you and Yeshua is not dependent on you remembering him. I mean, my mother used to say to me when I was a little son, you've got a brain like a sieve. And she meant well in it. Don't, don't, don't Please don't judge my mum for saying that. It, 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 when you've forgotten something, as we would say in my culture, for the umpteenth time, which means that you've been doing it so long that everybody just goes, um... We're not sure how many times you've done that, um, 10th time. (laughs) We know that we abide in him and he abides in us. How do we know that we're living in Christ and that Christ is living in us and this eternal union is real? How do we know it? We know it because of the person of the Holy Spirit in us, because he's given us his very spirit. You were born with a spirit. I cannot have your spirit in me. You cannot have my spirit in you. And you cannot have God's spirit unless you and God have become one. So this, this spirit, who is he? The Holy Spirit. Well, he's the spirit of adoption. Now, the word adoption, okay, what an amazing word it is. Romans 8.15 and Galatians uh, 4 verse, uh, well, let let me just, I'm getting a bit ahead of myself here. How do we become sons of God? How do we receive, when was the moment that we received this spirit of adoption? Well, according to Galatians 3.26, you all became sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ was the moment you became adopted as a son of God. And and ladies, if I have to get used to being the bride of Christ, you can get used to being a son of God. Okay. So, the old ones are the best. So, because we're sons, we're no longer slaves, but we're a son. We're no longer slaves to fall back again into fear. We're sons to walk forward into an inheritance. You you cannot see what's ahead when you're spending your time looking for what's behind. You used to be a person of fear. You're no longer a person of fear. Now you're a person of faith. Your eyes are always on the unseen God. And the unseen God is so good that he can enable you to begin to see, get glimpses of all of the goodness. And sometimes not just glimpses. He can give you crystal clear vision of all of the goodness that he's got ahead of you. But you'll never see it if you're falling back again into fear. You didn't receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. No, 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 instead, because your sons, God has sent the very spirit of his son into your hearts, the very spirit of adoption. That word adoption, everybody, can be translated sonship, but the word adoption in Greek is fascinating. It's it's a compound word of two words. The word is -is huiothisai. It is a compound of two words. Quios, son, and tithemi. Guess what tithimai means? To be placed properly, to be placed figuratively, literally, and properly into a horizontal position of rest. Wow. Do you realize that God has adopted you, meaning God has put you to rest? God has said, thank you very much. You made a lousy job of getting saved yourself, so if it's okay, well, not just if it's okay, I'm thrilled to let you know I'm taking over now. I'm going to keep you saved forever. Come on! All I want you to do is just lay down and rest in my ability, my strength, my power. That's why miracles are so important, everybody, because miracles are God's opportunity to remind us that we can't, but he can you see everything else that we do in life especially when thinking about spiritual things whether it's church or what we can read the bible we can pray we can dance by the way y'all need to get a whole lot more excited about dancing on Sundays come on up to the front and fill this pack this place out I know there's some secret dancers behind the wheel Listen, don't be thinking you only dance when no one's looking. All of heaven's looking at you in that moment. So all of heaven's the only ones that are important to be thinking of looking at you. So come on up to the front cuz the rest of us we're not looking at you. We're too busy lost dancing. You know why I work out? I'm going to give you two reasons why I work out. I do I work out for primarily two reasons. Number 1, I'm a grandfather. I am. I have 3 grandchildren. They're the beautiful kids that you, you might see me uh, see around us. Those are Jess and Aaron's kids. I'm their papa. I'm their joyful grandfather. And I don't I just want to be strong. I want to be able to lift them up, toss them around, whatever for as long as I possibly can. That's my first reason, one of my reasons why I work out. You know what the second is? I want to dance in church. And I discovered that if I don't work out, man, I dance for about 30 seconds and then I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. I want to keep this handsome looking beautiful temple right here fresh for as long as I can for Him. Joyful. Not kind of... There's time for that. I probably will be like that one day, but not when I'm 54 in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. All right, so, whoops. Okay, so if we're sons, then we're heirs. If we're heirs of God and we're co-heirs with Christ, it makes us royalty. Prince Charles is the queen's eldest son. He's never doubted for one moment in his entire conscious life that he's royalty. You know why? Because he's royalty. You are a son of God. And guess what? Your daddy is the king. He's the king of the whole universe. You know what that makes you and me? It makes us royalty, everybody. You are royalty. You've got an inheritance. But it says right here, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. What's that all about? It's, Paul's reminding us that, you know what, guys? There was a time when you were under the law. But Jesus rescued you from under the law. And the way he rescued you is he paid the full price of all of your sin by dying on the cross for you. He suffered for you on the cross. And by the way, your baptism... That moment when you made public that you've confessed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and He is your Savior and you are born again and you are one with Him. That moment of water baptism, when you got into that water and somebody took you down under the water, you died! When I was a youth pastor years ago when Aaron was a kid, he was in our youth. In Toronto. I think you might have spotted Jess even back then. (laughs) And when I baptized those youth, our amazing youth who'd given their lives to Jesus, when I baptized them as the outward sign of the inward transformation, I took them under the water and I held them there. just long enough for a few seconds to help them realize you're not just died with Christ you're buried with Christ and that's next level that's like that's like dead 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 and you know some of you you need to be baptized and two weeks time we're going to have opportunity for you to be baptized There's going to be a lot of youth that are going to be baptized, but some of you adults need to be baptized as well. Because you will only truly realize what it is to live in faith and not fear when that man of fear is dead. And there's something about going under that water in front of everybody. Something about the cold, icy cold of that water Although probably because we're a bunch of wimps, we'll probably heat the water up. But there's something about that being under that freezing cold water that enables you to realize as a man, I've died. I've died. I stripped off in front of the church into my T-shirt and my shorts or my sweatpants or whatever. And I died. And you know, when we're lowered down into that water... We're completely dependent on somebody lifting us out again. Because if they don't lift us out, we could drown in there. Then we'd really understand that we're dead with Christ. Except God's waiting for that moment to be really at the end of our lives. When we go to be with him forever in glory. But for now, thank goodness, he's given us this amazing symbolism where we come up out of the water and now we're in resurrection life in Christ Jesus. With joy... You draw from the wells of Yeshua with joy when I face my boss at work that's, that's super scary or I'm about to go into this interview for my promotion that I'm longing for. And I'm like, or I'm about to go into my exams. I'm about to do my real estate exams or I'm about to do my, you know, my PhD interview, the last one. And you walk in and you're terrified You should be. That's the point. Heroes are not the ones who have no fear. Heroes are the ones who overcome their fear. And the way we overcome our fear is that we just remind ourselves, with joy we draw from the wells of salvation, Jesus, I remind myself, I'm in you and you're in me. I step back for just a second in my mind's eye, remind myself I'm dead and a dead man can't be successful, and a dead man can't fail. I'm fully alive in you, Jesus. Now step forward and go do your awesome best with his amazing help. We're born again to a living hope. Folks, listen to me. There's no guarantee that just because you're born again and full of the Holy Spirit that you're not going to suffer. You are going to suffer in this world, Jesus said. You know what blessed me so much? Two weeks ago, I was on a Zoom uh, with some of our number one leaders in Ukraine and some of our leaders in Russia. We've got 20 churches in Ukraine, as Kate mentioned, one in Belarus and three in Russia. Can you imagine how our Catch the Fire family, what they're going through right now? And they're getting bombed. Their friends are being completely uh, slaughtered. They're having to make the choice to fight against the invaders. That's, that's suffering, everybody. And I, mean, I kind of makes my suffering of having to wake up an hour earlier because the clocks went forward kind of pale into insignificance. I realize I don't really have a lot of problems as an American, and I don't take my freedoms for granted. Thankful, so thankful. Let me tell you something, everybody. When I listened to them, speaking faith, speaking love, speaking forgiveness, I just was, I was just undone. You have an inheritance. They, they understand that they've got an inheritance. Now, what is this law of love? This law of love is the gift of God's righteousness. But now, everybody say now. The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. The law and the prophets bear witness to it. But remember, we, I, I don't think I touched on it, but actually on that previous slide, let me go back to it, says here that there's no fear in love. This is an important slide. There is no fear in love, everybody. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear has to do with punishment. All of that's in 1 John 4:18. Fear has to do with punishment. So, what's that got to do with us? Well, as human beings, everybody, we're all lawbreakers. We've all broken God's eternal law of love so badly that we should spend eternity in hell. And we know that there's a witness on the inside of us that says that's fair. And because of it, we're terrified. We're terrified of the punishment. That's why people are terrified of death, they're terrified of the punishment. But in Christ Jesus, we've been set free from the punishment. That's why there's no fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. But for us, there ain't no punishment anymore. Because a new righteousness has has come to us, not by us obeying the law, but a righteousness that is a gift from God. Woo! A righteousness of God that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And all we have to do is just believe. whoops, I realize I've been clicking away merrily here and I forgot to click up there. I'm so sorry, guys. Here we go. I'm so sorry. I, I, I totally forgot to click up there, merrily preaching away. and I've, But there we go. There's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear has to do with punishment. But now... The righteousness of God that comes through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe is given to us. So we're justified justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Then it says this, very important. So then, do we overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Grace is never permission to do whatever you want. Grace is the power to do the right thing. Grace is the power on the inside of you to enable you to live a life of love where you do unto others as you would have them do to you. But you can actually do it. I want to end with two slides here. And I have put the red and orange zone on the left. I put the green and the blue zone on the right. And if you cannot remember anything else, remember to live a life in the green and live by the blue to everyone else. Don't live in the red zone. Okay, that's all. So here's the zones. The red and the orange is fearful. The green and the blue is faithful. Faithful. What does it look like when I I lived in fear before I became a born-again believer? I had no choice. I was an orphan, and I had no choice to be in fear. But now, as a born-again believer, I can choose. And I've immediately got the power of the Holy Spirit to enable me to live as a son, to live in faith. But I have to be aware when I'm living in the wrong zone. This week, Kate said to me, I said to Kate, honey, you know what? This guy I was talking about, a friend of ours, I'm like, honey, you know what? He's just so grumpy. He's so miserable. And she said, well, darling, I don't know if you realize it, but you're pretty grumpy. You're pretty miserable. I'm like, what? What?" I am. I always think I'm joyful. I said, "Uh, am I not joyful? She said, not really at the moment. You know what I did? I gaslit her. I did. I gaslighted her right there. I'm like, yeah, well, that's because I'm living with you. Just underlining just how grumpy and miserable I actually really was. And that she was right. And I was very wrong. See when we're when we're fearful living as orphans in our mentality, we have a an experience and a belief that we're abandoned. And therefore our approach to life is I don't need anybody. I'm on my own, so screw you guys. I live in a place where I feel accused all the time by my own guilty conscience. I feel ashamed as a result. I'm always feeling guilty. If I live in fear, that's how I think. And before I came to know Jesus, that's how I absolutely had no choice but to think. But now, what does that lead? It leads to a life where I accuse everybody around me. I try to shame everyone around me. And I try to blame everyone around me because it's never, ever my fault. It's my kids' fault. It's my parents' fault. Well, they just brought me up in a culture that has let me the way I am now. I've been abused. I've been physically abused. I've been sexually abused. I've been uh, mentally abused. Whatever it might be that is in your ticker tape of all the things that have happened to you, you're still allowing those people to abuse you in the cave of your self-pity. Because it's not whether or not we've been abused or not. We've all been abused to one degree or another. And I'm not not belittling the degree that you may have been abused in. But that's your past. Your future is no longer your past. Your Your reality, actually, not just your future, but your reality is that you are innocent and honored. You are accepted in love. You're innocent and honored. Therefore, you are... You recognize love needs so you can meet the need. You recognize love needs so you can let others meet the need of love in your own life. And you will always honor and bless everybody. Listen, we all live in a world that hurts us. Doesn't give you any badge of honor whatsoever to be a victim. Jesus became the ultimate victim on the cross so that you can be royalty. We live insecure, rejected, and controlled. By the way, um, Jack Frost did a fantastic uh, um, chart. Thank you, Kate, that you can get online from from Slavery to Sonship. If you just type that into Google, you'll see that chart. And I was going to use that chart, and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, no, no, son, I want you to make this your own. And so rather than rely on that, I just sat down and went deep with God and went deep into my own soul. And this is what I came up with in the Holy Spirit for us when we feel insecure rejected and controlled what do we do we rebel we reject everybody and we always control we're always seeking to control everyone around us and the biggest way we know that we're seeking to control everyone is that we call everyone a control freak and you know why we can see control freaks so clearly and so crystal clear because we want to control them and we're annoyed that they're controlling us So next time you say about somebody that they're a control freak, just remind yourself that you're a control freak saying they're a control freak. When we're sons and we're living in faith, we're secure in love, we're released, we're free, we we're released and we are free to choose. And it's because we're free to choose, we accept all, we affirm all, and we affirm everybody else's right to be free to choose. We feel constantly disapproved of when we're in fear. We're desperate for significance. And as a result of that, we disapprove of everyone around us. We disapprove of their choices. We have to be the best. We have to impress. And we're always boasting. And we even get really humble in our boasting. We work out ways to make sure we can boast and appear humble at the same time. And... The opposite is true when we're living in faith as sons in love. We live approved, we know we're significant, and we're humble. We're already humble. And what makes us so humble, humble, is not because we practice being humble, because that never makes you humble. That makes you proud, proudful, because you're proud of being humble. There's only one way to become humble face to face encounters with Jesus. That's the only, that that, literally humility is the overflow of a secret life with God. Alone, and we have a strong sense of lack, we have a desire to keep for ourselves and hold on tightly, whereas when we're full of faith, knowing that we're sons of our heavenly daddy, our daddy owns everything, so we're always generous and we let go willingly. Tithing, oh yeah, I'm returning back to you, God, what belongs to you. Sowing? oh yeah, I can sow because I know you're going to return a hundredfold. Oh, giving, oh absolutely, I'll give and nobody will ever know about it. I'll give as generously as I need to because I know you'll always supply what I need to give. Lend, oh absolutely, I'll lend to whoever so that they can learn stewardship and so can I. Oh, and by the way, I won't charge any interest. Finally, the last slide, I want to just say that When we're walking in fear as slaves, again to fear, our experience is striving, everything we do out of duty, and we earn. Everything has to be earned. I looked up what is the antonym of duty. What is the opposite of duty? Guess what my iPhone told me? Fun. Our experience as sons in faith is that we live in rest, We inherit, we live in fun, we're joyful, and we're always able to refresh others because we're refreshed. We're comfortless and restless in fear. We afflict others, constantly poking and tearing down. What does that look like? Well, you you end up at work. Hey, good morning. How are you? Meet them at the coffee stand. Hi, good morning. How are you? Uh, Or you come on to Zoom. Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. I was until I saw you poke. You know what I'm talking about? You know, Thanksgiving. Might as well just call it (laughs) poke-giving. I mean, it's unreal how many times we get poked by people in life. And why do we always want to poke ourselves? Because poking is what we do when we're comfortless and restless, and we want other people to be restless and uncomfortable. Whereas when we're sons, we're comforted, we're content. And by the way, that comfort leads to the greatest creativity. You know why Jesus, the Son of God, the second person, the Trinity, was able to create the entire universe? It's because he's eternally lived in the comfort of his heavenly Father. Okay, unworthy, condemned, and exposed, Leads us to being competitive, full of rivalry, having to prove our worth. When we're distrust, we're, uh, do, when we feel distrusted, suspected, we feel wrong. We're constantly conscious of our lack. We ourselves distrust others. We're suspicious. We're rebellious, and I must always be right. I don't care about how I hurt your feelings. I'm right, and you're wrong. You know what I'm talking about? And finally, conditionally loved. I know I'm loved as long as I'm doing this, or I know I'm loved as long as I'm doing that. Love's always earned. Whereas when we're sons, we're worthy, we're celebrated, and we know we're covered. We're royalty, we're trusted, we're holy, and we're righteous, and we're unconditionally loved. That enables us to be content, to be empowering of others, to celebrate and honor others even when they get promoted over us to be trusting. And royalty leads to loyalty, everybody. If you know your royalty, then you'll. All, if you're royal, you'll always be loyal to the kingdom and the king. Because you've got nothing to prove. And the best of all, you'll love without limits. Let's stand. Now what I didn't put right here is that when we are Fear-based and orphans, no matter how brave we try to be, will always shrink back. will never, ever truly be courageous. We'll never be true warriors in the spirit realm. But as sons, as daughters, we're full of boldness. We're full of courage. We know that Jesus is the winner. And we're victorious. Always. Which means we always step forward into the battle zone. We don't shrink back as cowards. And it's interestingly that one of the things that keeps people out of heaven is the cowardly. The cowardly. It's one of the categories, you know? Right up there with the sexually immoral and the murderers is the cowardly. What is the cowardly? The ones who constantly shrink back in faith. Because they don't know their sons, even though they are sons. The opposite are the bold who step forward in love. Guys, where are you on these? Where are you? Just take a moment. Just take a moment to gaze at these. And if, team, if you don't mind keeping them up for just a moment on either side, you just want to take a moment is yes thank you Justin if you could excuse me I just want you to take a moment before you go for lunch where are you are you like me suddenly have to come face to face with the reality that you've grown grumpy you've grown grumpy because of this that or the other and I can tell that I'm in the wrong headspace because I'm blaming my grumpiness What's the pandemic? It's because of the dumb masks. Or it's because of those masks that are not worn. Oh, it's the vaccine. It's not the vaccine. It's the war. It's the inflation. It's my wife. It's my kids. It's my lack of money. It's the house I'm in. It's the family I was born in. It's everybody else's fault. That's why I'm grumpy. Actually, you're grumpy because you're grumpy. And I don't know about you, but I, I want to be a grandfather, not a grump father. John Abernathy came up to me in the break and one of our, you know, um, longstanding members of this church, 14 years he's been a member of this church, he and his wife, Judy, came up to me and he said, Duncan, you make such a great, you make such a wonderful grandfather. You'd make a terrible grumpy father. Isn't that good, guys? Just take a moment. Let's ask the Lord and say this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you with all my heart. You've made me your son in Christ Jesus. You fill me with your spirit. And I choose to ask your forgiveness for living as an orphan as if I had not saved living with the mentality of lack and fear, and I've been in bondage, looking back again to fear. I'm so thankful that today I can turn to you and know that you forgive me for my sin, cleanse me from all unrighteousness, bring me into the full experience and full expression of what it means every day to draw from the wells of Yeshua, to draw from the wells of my salvation to be a, live as a son in this world, to walk in love and give your love away always unconditionally full of joy, full of fun, full of adventure. In Jesus' name, fill me afresh with your wonderful Holy Spirit.